Hey guys, it's Tug here with Tug Talks. Uh, welcome back to a long time from our last recording. So I uh, just wanted to clue you guys in on today's episode, uh, sitting here with one of my good buddies, Jason Harris. Um, I don't know if a lot of you know Jason Harris, that it's on my friends list, but if you do, you potentially will see him as one of the most encouraging, honest thought-provoking people in our area, to me at least, uh, somebody that I'm challenged by um, to make potentially better decisions, sometimes uh, learn from mistakes, maybe some tuition in there too. Uh, but just sitting here and going to discuss some random topics. We didn't really plan as far as the layout of how we would flow today, but I think that's a lot of how Jason and I's brains work when we decide to encourage people is kind of more on what uh, we're led to say. Um, don't really process too much the care of what people think of it, but we just pray that it will encourage you and and so on. So Jason, welcome to Tug Talks. I know you have your own podcast called The Forecast, correct? Uh, I do. I do. Man, that was quite an intro you gave me there. Um, I really am starting to feel the pressure. Right now, you know, like, man, I'm really going to have to perform well today. <laughs> it's all about performance <laughs> in our world these days. Most uh, execute, man. It doesn't matter what you look like, just execute. <laughs> so, Jay, I've been, um, you know, following you for quite a bit of time now, not in a, a creep kind of way. But one thing that I see is, uh, well, what I see is what I get, you know, and, and I think that's how um, you've been so... Uh, encouraging to people in in your community. Um, You're authentic. Um, You may show up to a worship uh, session at a bar and be asked to speak. Um, So tell me how you've gotten to the point of where you're confident in yourself. Um, I'll just let you talk on that. Well, I mean, I think it all comes back to you know, I wasn't per se raised in church. I wasn't, um, you know, my faith is, is so important to me, but it was, you know, really living, you know, kind of like coming at it from a, a standpoint of, of not really being raised in religion or organized religion or anything like that. You know, I gave my life to Jesus at 22. And, um, you know, before that, it was doing whatever I wanted to do, you know, just sex, drugs, and rock and roll, man. That was my lifestyle. And so... um you know, when you when you come at it like that, you know, it wasn't like I went into a church and responded to an article. It was just the Lord and the Holy Spirit really just spoke to me. Um, and so it was like I'm digging into the scripture early on to see about this guy named Jesus because it seems like everything's all about Jesus. And so when I look at the characteristics of Jesus, one of the biggest things that pops out to me is that he's just completely brutally empathetically honest, okay? Like brutally honest yet empathetic at the same time, which is a tough balance to to do, but um, he's just real and he's meeting people where they're at. And so from the earliest days, and you know, that's been 21 years ago, um, I just really kind of had felt it impressed upon me to just be as real as possible. And that's going to tick some people off. That's going to make some people that might be of a certain ilk in regards to their faith, um, feel a little uncomfortable, but 
it's not really about them. It's just kind of about being faithful to the call that there is on your life. So, You said two things there. Uh, one of the big things that I hear is real. One of the second things I heard was empathetic. Yeah. Um, that's a phrase that a lot of people aren't good at. Uh, sometimes myself included. And, you know, while, while you're saying that, I think of business mogul uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who um, is raw. I mean, he, um, a lot of vulgarity, a lot of you get what you think. I don't know if he shares the same faith we do or what have you, but he's so authentic. But yet one of his favorite uh, words that he lives by is kindness and empathy. Yeah. So we can be real. We can be raw. You get what you get with us. But there's a level of kindness in that honesty that I think, if I remember the Jason Harris from years ago, it was more of the rough, I'm going to, I can kick the crap out of you kind of thing, which I still have that, you know, you could probably still do that, but you choose a different angle towards people. Um, How, why, what is empathy? I mean, in, in a relationship. Well, I think that, you know, empathy is, is born out of humility. And, um, you know, there was probably a season of my life where I was probably struggling to try to prove who I was. I didn't really grow up with a um, a very strong male figure um, in my life. My father was there, but not really there. And uh, a great guy, and God did a tremendous um, forgiveness process later on in my father's life before he passed away, but still didn't really have that. So there was still a little bit of, uh, for lack of a better phrase, piss and vinegar, um, in me, you know, um, and as you get older, you start to look at things differently. You start to understand what's really valuable in life and understand the value of turning the, knowing when to turn the, the other cheek and when to, you know, rise up and fight. And, you know, not everything is worth fighting over. Yeah, but empathy comes directly from humility. And that's the thing. As Christians, we should be known for our humility. We should not be known for anything other than the fact that Christ Jesus, who is our King, lowered Himself to come to this earth. And as it says, as Paul says, He emptied Himself into humanity. So if this is what God did, then it gives us no right to be arrogant or pushy or act like we're better than anybody. You know, in our society, we talk about unity and equality and, and how, do we, how do we treat people equal? The only real equality is understanding that all men are, are sinful. All men are in need of forgiveness. And when I say men, I'm not talking about the gender. I'm talking about all people are all in need of forgiveness. This is where equality lies. Jesus makes no, no difference between a white man, a black man, a rich man, a poor man. It doesn't matter. If you turn your faith on him, if you trust in him, then that's what makes us always. So we're equally lost, yet equally offered forgiveness. So from that, we can't really boast. We can't really act like we're better than anybody. Because if it wasn't for, you know, in the Bible it says that it's the Holy Spirit that draws us into repentance. So if the Holy Spirit drew me to repentance, then I don't get to act like I'm better than the bum on the street, the guy who has a different political view than me or might have a different faith view than me or whatever. I don't get to have that right because ultimately I'm, as Paul says, a bond servant with Christ. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
So you, there's a few things that you hit there that, and I know there's some rough topics out right now in, in the world. Lots um, of them. And one thing you said there that kind of hit with me is Jesus didn't really see the black and white. Jesus didn't really go down that road. And there's a lot of things, you know, I grew up, my mom was the first person to walk a uh, black gentleman across the field for homecoming at Perry High School in Lima. That's awesome. Um, I used to manage hip hop groups. Yeah. Um, I was raised that, and I'll just be honest, you see color because you have eyes. Yeah. You see skin, um, different tones and different shades, and I think it's actually beautiful. You know, I mean, we we don't joke about I joke about it in my own house. I'm not white. I'm off-white. I think that's Mitch Hedberg, a <laughs> comedian. Uh, I also took my kids to Lowe's and got the paint things out and said, oh, look, I'm papaya smoothie, you know, like <laughs> like going up against my skin. But, like, the thing that I think it, I, I think I've grown to say a lot, and sometimes it may be um, kind of a tough topic to get in, but I think the, the racial issues in our nation are more sin deep than they are skin deep. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that it, it, here's the thing, okay? Um, I've got uh, two biracial nieces and uh, a biracial nephew, and um, it's crazy because as just a white guy, okay, random white guy, grew up out in the country, you know, went to school with a couple black guys, didn't really look at them as black guys, just looked at we're just friends of friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've been guilty of saying things like, well, I don't see color, you know? Um, and w- the implication is that... Color is not a determining factor, okay? That's really what I'm saying. But I'll give you a for, for instance. We had uh, Jalen A., which is my oldest niece with us. Uh, me and Amanda had her, um, and we went to a restaurant. And so there's these, you know, I'm white, my wife's white, and we got this black kid. That's what it looks like. Um, and uh, Jalen A. is the most sweet young lady you're ever going to meet in your life. We just love her to death. We love having her with us. We just And so we walk in. We're not thinking twice because this is our niece, right? But man, I'm telling you what, there was some folks and they was like eyeballing us like crazy. Like, oh, and then there was like a couple ladies and you could just see their look was like, oh, that's nice for them to adopt that little black girl, you know? And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess it me it matters to somebody, you know what I mean? And we weren't offended by it. We're just like, because honestly, we was paying attention to Jay, but I did notice it, you know? So I think from a white guy's standpoint, it's easy for us to say, hey, it doesn't matter, but it does matter because to Jay Lene, that's her culture and we want to her to feel comfortable in her own skin and we want her to... Um, know that her aunt and uncle love her not because of the color of her skin, but but the fact that we love what's good about her. So I think that the, just relationships like that are so important for us as white folks to be able to recognize that there's a lot of things we don't know and a lot of things that we probably shouldn't be speaking on that we do share our opinion about. <laughs> and so when it comes to race stuff, I just let my wife do the talking. I've got men that are black men that have spoke greatly into my life and men that are white men that have spoke greatly into my life. And these are my brothers, you know, it's, it says in the word of God that, that God shows no preference among mankind. And, um, when he judges us, he's not going to judge us on the color of our skin. 
He's also not going to make excuses for us based on the color of our skin. It's going to be, have you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you have him to serve as the judge based on his life? Like, is he the one that's, that's the, uh, the, the apostle Paul would say, the propitiation, the penalty of our sin has to be poured out on somebody. And either it's poured out on Christ Jesus or it's poured out on us. And so if we have Christ Jesus, we don't receive the penalty of what we're due. And that, that offer is there to the white man, the black man, the Asian, the Hispanic, the whatever. You know what I mean? That's everybody. So that's just the way that I look at it. It's changed my vernacular a little bit because I don't say I don't see color anymore. Because that's saying to black people, that's saying that I don't see their culture or I just I don't use that vernacular anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like what you say there is there's um, we can't make excuses based off of skin color for ourselves and what i want to whether whatever race you are listening to this podcast the one thing that i want to make sure you take home from this is that you're responsible for your actions you're responsible to carry out what god has for you and whether um, you're a white gentleman or black gentleman or whatever, there's there's racism across the board that is potentially carried out in different fashions. Um, I look at new ways of potential occupationism, racism. You know, you got a badge, I hate you. You got a this, I, I'm not a fan of you. And you're tied to this and you're tied to that. And when it gets down to it, what I tell my kids, myself, my wife, um, anyone that is associated with me is your response is your response. Yeah. Your friend's response is not yours. And if it is, then you need to shift your own freaking mindset to say, you know what? That's not how I think. This is how I think. And, and you're not going to be judged based off of your friend's decisions. Um, also, uh, something that I've learned you know, throughout the last few years is God requires me to be so much more intentional in my relationships. Um, Every day to wake up, there was a, not an older man, but a guy I used to work with, uh, Tim Hubble from Crossroads Church that used to always say, wake up, look in the mirror and see others. And so now, I'm not much to look at in the mirror, Jason, so I don't have that problem. You're doing all right. Um, We're just two ugly mugs over here. <laughs> but what I do know is my intentions are for my wife. My intentions every day are for my children. Now, I don't just have three. I have five. You know, a lot of people call them stepkids. I call them bonus kids. I think they're uh, God's given me the ability to, um, good Lord, I get emotional when I do this because it's such a huge topic of me. Um, when I got divorced, I was like, man, God, I want to, I want to find somebody down the road that doesn't have kids because it's going to be so hard to love. And, and then God was like, no, here's Heather on a football field bench and you've never met her and you remember every aspect of her kids coming up and what snacks they had and her parents sitting there. And all of a sudden I'm in this role 
that I love. I call it almost step up parenting. Yeah. Not step parenting. It, it it's not that I ever want to take the place of their father or yeah. or vice versa, but you know what? Like I've experienced God's love over and over in my life. Mhm. That that's what I want them to experience. So whatever it is, college, whatever it is, car, whatever it is, you know, friends, different things like that. Yeah. They're they're not my stepkids. They're my kids who were fathered by somebody else, if you yeah. can say that. And so um but one thing that's helped with me in that is to to know that my responsibility first is my family. Mm-hmm. And why do you think that as men, sometimes we don't, um, maybe it takes us a while to get that as a better thing. Yeah. yeah. Why, why, why do we, why are we so much like, oh, me, 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 maybe not, but for a while, at least I was. And then all of a sudden it's like, gosh, God, you've given me the amazing ability to be a dad, a bonus dad, a husband. Sure. Um, my second go around is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 the way that I have somebody that believes in me and cares and pushes and no, we don't freaking agree all the time. Sometimes it's like blending concrete and crap that's already poured, you know? Yeah. Um, but God has shown me what grace is, what intentional love is. Mm -hmm. And there is no way that I can't reciprocate what God has done in my own life to these people inside our walls that we get to be dad, husband, bonus dad, whoever. Well, and I I think that most of that, you know, the the question that you asked in regards to uh, why does it take so long is is, there's a lot of different distractions, but it all comes down to distractions. Um, and, And so it comes down to you making an intentional effort every day to be the man that God has called you to be. And if men were able to start their day to, to prioritize their life, okay, what's important? Jesus, he comes in and he says, listen, life's going to get real complicated, okay? We got all kinds of laws and tenets and everything that they had. And he said, it's compartmentalized into two things. Love the Lord God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, I know it's going to get complicated, okay? But if you can... Commit yourself to these two things, you're going to be able to navigate the choppy waters of humanity. Hmm. Okay? And so, as a man, what we have to do is have those come to Jesus moments with ourselves and say, listen, my life is about my relationship with God first, it's about my wife second. It's with my kids third. It's with my job fourth because we got to carry a job. We got to pay the bills here because, uh, you know, the wife and the children are not happy when the electric goes out. So, you know, we got to be responsible with what we have. But Biden shows, I mean, Stimmy, <laughs> Stimmy money comes, you know, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm looking at two Stimmy puppies over here. No, yeah. I'm kidding. I love, they are. They are. I we love it. Two Stim dogs. You know? <laughs> what did I got? I don't know what I got. I mean, I'm a, I may have got a Stim Gym membership or something like I, that. You know, whatever, whatever man. Thanks. We're just pumping the money back Thanks, in the Joey. economy. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what he wanted to do. We put the money back in the economy you know you you said something there uh love yourself yeah that 
for a lot of people is probably the hardest thing to do um, because of the consistency of seeing yourself and seeing, I don't call them fail- failures. I said it before, I call it tuition. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm somebody that's been kicked out of school, and <laughs> uh, college for grades, not for, I mean, I did steal a security guard's car and stuff, but just um, <laughs> for fun stuff. And then I did, you know, for years, it was like, man, didn't do that right. Didn't do that right. Yeah. Went back and finished. And, yeah. and, but now it's to a point where I've got to process daily. If I'm going to love these people well, yeah. if I'm going to serve my job well, if I'm going to serve my church well, um, and all of that, we're not really serving that we're serving our savior. Yeah. But in order to do that, we have to love ourselves without being arrogant. You said it earlier, but sure. how do men how can we break the cycle of men mm-hmm. that have the hardest time loving or women even loving yeah. themselves? Well, you have to understand that. And I think you're onto something in regards to mistakes and understanding that the value, everybody falls. The, the key is to fall forward. You know what I mean? And, and learn from it. Uh, the people that get buried under the decisions that they made are the individuals that have not committed to learning from what they have failed at. Every single person's failed, you know what I mean? Um, so I think that that's part of it. Um, it, it. When you're moving forward, you naturally gain a certain level of momentum of confidence in yourself, okay? Our dislike of ourselves is because we keep a laundry list as mm. to what is wrong with us, yet we fail to see the good that God has placed in us. So we're almost, it's, it's, it becomes an unequal balance. We've got this big list of everything we've done wrong. We, we replay that in our mind all the time, but we don't come to grips with the fact that God trusted us to love a woman. God trusted, if we really admire, like I admire my wife, okay, we're in, in May of this year, it'll be uh, 20 years with uh, married to her and 23 years with her. I literally admire her. I think she's a better human being than I am. So if that's true, then God placed me to be her husband. Well, he didn't place some loser to be her husband. <laughs> he placed an individual that my wife's name is Amanda. That means worthy of great love. That means my job is to love her great, right? I mean, you know, it couldn't be any more simple for Jason here. You know what I mean? So I look at myself and say, listen, the last thing this woman needs in me loving her is an insecurity or an identity crisis in myself. So it's it's about taking care of me so that I can take care of someone else. It's not taking care care of me so that I can fall in love with me and be a narcissist and be like American psycho and love, you know what I mean? That That's where it goes very, very unhealthy. But like I had talked about earlier in regards to humility, the, the cross humbles us. When people don't have something that weighs them, that brings them back down to reality, they tend to swing between these two pendulums that are that are very dangerous, either extremely passive and don't know when to fight or go to the other side and fight constantly about stupid stuff that doesn't even matter. And both of those guys have been rendered incompetent, okay? The key is to try to find the place in the middle, which is where we find Christ Jesus, the man's man, all right, we see that in Revelation 19, dude. This, this dude's coming back on a white horse, eyes of fire. You know, I mean, he's got th- th- swords coming out of his mouth. There's no way you can get, I mean, this is Bruce Willis, die hard, as manly as it gets. Yet, yet to a woman, 
who had all kinds of morality issues at a well, he is revealing himself as the son of God Hmm. and showing empathy and opportunity for her to believe in him that would give her eternal life. He said, the the water I have for you, you will never thirst again, right? So that's the difference, knowing when to be which character of Jesus. <laughs> well, and I remember like, uh, she's like, he's like, have you been married? And are you, or are you married or whatever? And she's like, uh, no. And he's like, well, that's right. Cause you've been married multiple times. <laughs> he's like, yeah, like you're not. I asked cool. the question and I had the answer. <laughs> right. Right. And so, so like, but yeah, on the world's eyes was pretty cool about that lady in a prostitute, whatever you want to call her. I mean, she was probably called every name in the freaking book by everybody, <laughs> um, everybody besides Jesus. Yeah. And that's what's pretty cool. He is called to, her daughter. Yeah. And so when we look at our our family, our friends, our whatever, yeah. um, that have made these decisions um, that are counteractive to God, there's never anything that God is not willing to absorb. And um, I often say the hole that you think you've dug is not bigger than the shovel of dirt that God has. That's right. And to allow um, allow him to tell you who you are, allow him to give you the quality and amount of love that you need to have for others. Cause there's one thing I know is humanistically patience runs thin. <laughs> um, humanistically, when you look at others, you're like, Oh, you're a freaking idiot. Or, you know, you, you, you did this to me or, or whatever. And, and God says, you're right. But so are you. Yeah. You know? And, and I, I look at that a, a lot and why that I can extend grace or why that I can extend forgiveness or why that I can be um, consistently positive. I'm mm-hmm. not one of the, and and we're not going to go theological here, but I'm not that Joel Osteen mentality that every day is Friday. It's good. It's great. <laughs> it's like I jokingly call my first parking spot by the store or if I pull up to a business and that first parking spot's there i call it i osteened it i believed it and received it kind of joke you know but but my big thing is is like whatever grace was measured to me yeah that's if i'm created in god's image which we are and god called us good it's pretty cool um then it's my job to duplicate yeah the biggest thing of Duplication is the flatteringness that comes alongside of it. And if mm-hmm. if someone takes my marketing and duplicates it, it's kind of encouraging. Sure. You know, yeah. or if someone takes your mindset and duplicates it now, yeah. That's humbling. Sure. Um so what I can do is only do what God's done for me and and I think that's a lot of the times where we stop is I'm going to give people what they deserve or I'm going to give people what what I think they've given me mm-hmm. or or so on. And and that's not really what we're going to be answered answering for. We're going to be answered on the level of what we've done for our own salvation. Yeah. And I think, you know, a man that's at peace with himself can give a lot more than um, 
a man that's constantly battling himself. And, and this is the struggle of humanity, you know, that people have been detached from their creator by their own sin, by their own rebellion. And um, once we've come back and been restored into how we were designed to be from the very beginning, when we go back to the original prototype, then we, we get a chance to give more than what we ever could before. And that's the fracturing that we see in America today is that as we've become a more secular society divorced from uh, belief systems, um, you see people trying to find their way to make themselves righteous Hmm. in any other way. Okay, so that's why we see the social justice movements and we see some of the things, not that there are issues that are true within them, but rather we've we've lost the value of being under the authority of a creator. And so we've almost kind of surmised that we're the creator and that now we have to give our moral and ethical judgments toward one another to justify existence. And I know that that's a very complicated thought, um, and I don't typically podcast about deeper things like that, but um, that's kind of where we're at in society. So that's why you see like a lot of people doing a lot of virtue signaling and that sort of thing. Um, I try to stay away from it. I just mm-hmm. know that, you know, man, if I can go out and I can make the cashier at Walmart's day better, <laughs> I feel like I've fulfilled what the Lord has called me to do. You, that's that's so that's so true. You say that because like when when Heather and I go to the store, um, one of my favorite things to do is make that cashier laugh. Yeah, whatever joke I can do, or call her by her name, or or different things, and and have fun, but bring a stinking smile to somebody's day. Yeah, it's good. You never know what it's going to lead to. In in my world, I don't. I don't do it for this reason. Um, being in real estate, I'm in customer service. Being in that avenue, there's a lot of people that can be looked at as your businessman. You're in a suit. You're doing this. And I want to be that guy that chills with you, that yeah. has a relationship, that does this. And and you say it, you say it right perfectly is you know, making the cashier at Walmart's day better. That's it. That's where it's got to be. Because here's the thing. The the brevity of fixing the world is actually not on your shoulders. <laughs> the the I, I didn't create the world. I didn't create the people in the world. And I certainly didn't create their attitudes. Um, and wow. so the responsibility is not upon me. My responsibility, it, it comes down to this concept of stewardship. I had a great conversation with, I'm going to name drop a local pastor, uh, Michael Lyons, um, a couple of weeks ago, we were sitting and talking. He's all right. Shout out to Mike Lyons at In Faith Ministries. And um, anyway, uh, they got a great building. Used to yep. be our building. Praise <laughs> God. Uh, but anyway, um, and we were just talking about the value of stewardship. And so, so many times we think about stewardship as money. Right, that's how we teach it in the church. Give your ten percent, you know, and we're going to be good stewards of what the Lord. And it does involve money, but at the same time, stewardship is how you treat your wife. Hmm. You've been trusted with a daughter of the King, hmm. like that's stewardship. You've got responsibility inside there. So when you are looking at things you're not supposed to be looking at on the internet, when you're being disrespectful to her needs and her wants and her desires, and you're being emotionally distant to her, you're not being a good steward of that woman's heart. When it comes to your children and, and the, the lives that God has given you to mold like clay, you know, if you're 
checked out, you know, doing whatever it is that you're doing and you're not paying attention to actually intentionally parenting them. You're not stewarding them well. Mm. And, and don't take that. And guys, if you're listening to this, don't take that as a word of rebuke. Just take it as a wake up call because <laughs> uh, it's time to wake up. It's time to be the men that God has called you to be. It's time to be under the authority of, of Christ Jesus and let him make you into the man that he wants you to be. I can't make you the man that, that I want you to be, nor what I want to Tug can't make you the man that he wants you to be. It's, it's about what God has created for you and the condition of your own heart. And even Michael Lyons can't make you the man he wants. I mean, he's a pretty a, big he's a man's man. He's, but. He, if he got into an arm wrestling competition with me, it would be a bad day for Jason. <laughs> Just saying. So what, there was something that I want to hit, then we'll close up um, here, is the big thing that I see that we're going after right now is um, men. Yeah. Um, because we are one. <laughs> and the intentionalism of men, um, kind of want to speak into the last thing that I see in our world is a lot of people focus on helping people outside of their home first. Yeah. Um, potentially, let's, I mean, we're, <laughs> We're hitting a kind of thing here, but potential, I was a youth pastor, you know? Um, So we're talking, I'm not talking out of context here because I have been one. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of our pastors, potentially, not everybody. So if you're listening to this and whatever, your priorities are good, good. If they're not like you always hide them to be, okay, cool. But I want to speak into the fact that your home is your first ministry. Amen. your church, us sitting in your pews, we need to be secondary. Yeah. Okay. We can work out our own salvation. We're thankful for your guidance. But my big thing is, is if you're a pastor, those people that share your last name or don't, you know, my bonus daughters still have a different last name. Yeah. Um, and that's something that'll always be there. Mm-hmm. But our families are our first ministry. That's the way God designed for it to be. And and the, the thing is, you're going to be crippled in other areas of ministry if you don't handle the stuff that, you're, that you directly have to handle first and foremost. Good pastors are, are good adults. <laughs> good adults are responsible adults. Mm. Responsible adults are those that are good stewards, right? So we add this all up. You gotta, it's got to start at home. You mm. know what I mean? It has to because maybe the reason why we deal with some of the things that we deal with in society is because our kids see such a gap between what we say to our friends or what we say to our congregation and how we actually live our lives. See, that's going to breed a, because we look like hypocrites. And, And listen, I'm not a perfect guy. Okay. Like I've dropped the ball a lot of times, but I've also been willing to get the old, um, water out and wash my wife's feet because I'm a servant Hmm. as Christ Jesus. If Jesus could wash the feet of the man that was to betray him to death, then I can take (laughs) on the attitude of a servant to serve my family. And don't not serve your family and serve your church. I think God would be ticked off at that. I think, I mean, I, I, I go back to like my God came in and threw over tables yeah. when people were casting lots on stuff. Yeah. I think more importantly to God in this modern day and age, yeah. 
is, and I got goosebumps right now, so whatever. I think he'd throw our kitchen table over before a table in his church. It's very true. I think he'd very come true. into our own homes and say, you know what, get your family in order. Um, so in closing, I hope this was encouraging to you, um, listeners. Uh, I know this is a little bit different um, than times past, but that's that's the way God intends. So from here on out, go out, be different. Um, love your kids, love your wife, love yourself. Most importantly, love the person who gave his own life for you. Um, check out Jason Harris's podcast. It's uh, called The Forecast. How can they find that, Jason? Uh, just any any podcasting app. We're on uh, you know Spotify and Anchor and all that stuff. So it'd be The Forecast with Jason Harris. And uh, we're going to get ready to start and, and launch into a series of um, the Gospel of John. I'm going to uh, teach best. I teach best exegetically, so we're just basically going to go down line by line. And, and what does the Gospel of John show about the, the Godhead of Jesus and the man of Jesus, the humanity and the divinity of Jesus that kind of all collapse together um, into one being um, in the Gospel of John. So we're going to kind of go through that here in these next couple of weeks. Well, enjoyed our time as usual. We usually get together for what we intend on being five minutes, and it usually goes 30 <laughs> minutes of an encouragement. So, uh, guys, we, we uh, thank the world for you. I thank God for you, too. Um, and I know if there's anything anybody that's listening uh, needs from us, just encouragement or what have you, we're here. So shoot us a message, leave a comment, and go listen to Jason's podcast called The Forecast. Thanks.